All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I hope you have an amazing 2020. We are starting off right with CrossFit OG Josh Everett on the episode today. We talk about a number of different things, including what it was like getting started in CrossFit back in the day, getting introduced to intensity, what it's like then since then, becoming a strength conditioning coach for a number of different colleges, and now currently being a strength conditioning coach for the military. Josh has worked with high-level athletes, and he's also taught seminars around the world on Olympic weightlifting. We discuss his ways of coaching, how he uh, visualizes, and how he runs classes and creates programs. I really enjoyed our conversation today. We have a little bit of old-school history and a little bit of new school where things are going and how he optimizes his athletes' performance. If you enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed our other episodes... I would really appreciate if you're on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this at, just leave a comment, leave a review, let us know what you're thinking. Do it now, please. And I hope you have a kick-ass 2020. Let's keep rising the tides. Let's keep getting after it. And let's get into an amazing episode with Josh Everett. Let's go. All right, so Josh, I already introduced you. You've been in the fitness space for a long time as a strength coach, now working for the military, but you've also been a pillar. You know, you are one of the really founding OGs of CrossFit and the sport of fitness, I'd say. And, you know, when I was coming up in the sport, I remember watching a lot of videos of you. Every Second Counts is a great example of that. I remember the first time I came across you, not the first time, but the the first time that I was ever like really blown away, I watched a video of you doing King Kong. I don't know if you remember this. Right. It was. I, I remember doing King Kong. Yeah, you remember doing King Kong. <laughs> this, is, this is back in 08. I mean, this is, I watched the video back in 08 and it was one um, deadlift at 405, two, uh, what was it? Two mus, two, two handstand pushups. Two muscle ups. Two muscle ups. Three cleans, yep. squat cleans at 275, I think. 250. 255 so, is what I did in the video. Yeah, and then and then four uh, muscle Hand ups. Handstand oh, push-ups push at the end. Yeah, and I remember watching this, and I'm like, hmm, this is a really interesting feat of strength and conditioning and gymnastics because it was multiple rounds. I think it was three rounds, right? Yep. And, you know, so you have to be able to lift 405. You have to be able to do handstand push It was really interesting. So I watch you do it, and I get all fired up, and I go into my gym. And I actually filmed myself doing it. I don't know what happened to the film. I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> but I just ended up just like the 275 just crushed my soul. It took me like 30 minutes to complete the workout because 275 or 255, whatever it was, I just couldn't even get under it. And that was the moment where I'm like, man, this guy, Josh, he's, he's on top of the world. So you, you, you started off the sport. You really were one of the founding guys. Tell me about how did you get introduced to CrossFit for people who don't know who Josh Everett is? How did, how did you get introduced to it? And then what kind of helped you build up the, the sport to where it is today? I really believe you were, you were one of those guys. Yeah. So my start in CrossFit, it's, it's funny. So Mike Bergner, if you know that name, godfather of, godfather of weightlifting, if you've been around CrossFit, you know who Coach Bergner is. So I was uh, Olympic lifting under Coach Bergner. He was my weightlifting coach. I was competing in weightlifting. And um, at the time, I was still doing, I ran track in college. I was still doing track workouts. I was doing Oli lifting and, uh, you know, dragon door kettlebells, Pavel and the kettlebell thing was really big at that time. I was doing a lot of kettlebell work. Right. Um, so a little bit of like light, strong man type stuff. So 
pretty eclectic my training was and uh which coach Bergner was always telling me stop doing all this other stuff and focus on weightlifting and I was like coach I like I want to be good at weightlifting but I want to be fit too like I yeah. don't yeah, I don't yeah. want to be one of those guys that is out of breath walking up the stairs uh you know to be a weightlifter but anyways so weightlifting go to coach B's and I used to train at his place on Saturdays and one day he's like Josh I think you should try out this workout and it was 21, 18, 15, 12, 9, 6, 3, strict press at 95 pounds, back squat, uh, pull-ups strict. We didn't know kipping pull-ups at the, the time and sit-ups. And I look at the workout and I'm like, coach, 95 pounds. I don't even warm up with 95 pounds. Why would I, why would I do this? Yeah. You got to remember I'm doing track workouts and all this other stuff at the time. So it was like, I don't need to do this to be fit. I'm fit already. Right. So I let it go. My buddy, Stefan Roche, who you know, and yeah, yeah, if course. you went through the level one for a period of time in Southern California, Stefan Roche was probably your flow master, right? Uh, so a lot of people listening might know who he is, but my buddy Stefan does this workout in a half hour. Half hour? Yeah. And, and at uh, the time, was he a police officer at the time? Uh, he might have been. He was either, I'm not sure if he was a uh, strength coach, because he was a strength coach, got out of it, was a police officer, and then went back to being a strength coach as well. I met Stefan we were strength coaches together at UCLA, you know, over 20 years ago. Um, so anyways, and Stefan's like six, five, six, six, if you don't know. Yep. So a big man, big and, guy. Yeah. And, uh, Stefan does the workout and I'm like, like I can do this faster than him. Was, so after a workout one day, I do the workout and I do it in like 22 minutes. Stefan does the workout in 20 minutes and I'm like, I'm not letting him beat me. So I do the workout again in 14 something. And, uh, I go to coach B's and, uh, and this coach B has not mentioned CrossFit or anything up to this point. He just threw out this challenge of this workout. Right. And I go back to coach B's and I'm like, Hey, I did this workout in whatever, 1430. And he goes, Oh, that's really good. That's about average, uh, uh, for this group up in Santa Cruz. And I was like, coach average, what are you talking about? average like I'm not average like <laughs> I've worked with division one athletes if even when I was working at UCLA as some of the best athletes in the world right if I gave this workout to them like I wouldn't be average doing this stuff like I'm not as good an athlete as they were but I was like he's like I was like and at the time very few people other than Olympic lifting or maybe high level college athletes did full range of motion squats this is back in the days when below parallel was quote like, unquote bad yeah, for your knees bad for right your knees, yeah so I'm like Coach, I don't think these guys are going all the way down on their squats. That's why their times are so fast. He's like, no, I know they're coach. Like, they're doing things the right way. So I go back the next week, and I redo the workout. Now, remember, my first time I did the workout was 22 minutes, right? I redo this workout in, like, nine minutes, and I think it was 40-some seconds. And I'm, like, laying on the ground by the trash can, all this stuff. Like, that was my first true, like, dose of intensity CrossFit style, right? I go back the next weekend, and Coach... Bergner goes, there's, that's a pretty good time, but there's this guy, Greg Amundsen. Greg Amundsen, yeah. He beat it by like 10 or 15 seconds. And I was like, well, he can have it. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first intro into CrossFit. And then shortly after that, um, Coach Glassman, Coach Bergner had talked to Coach Glassman and told him about like, hey, I've got this guy. He was right on your guy's time, right? And Amundsen was the, the fire breather at the time. He was the top dog. Uh, at the time. And, uh, coach Glassman was like, so, well, I want to invite Josh out guests to our, our level one. And it was, I think it was the first like paid level one. It was in golden Colorado at the state, uh, patrol. And, um, 
and Coach B was like, hey, you got invited to attend this. And, uh, and I go, is Greg Amundsen going to be there? And Coach you know, Coach finds out. I was like, yeah, Greg Amundsen is going to be there. I was like, I'm in. And my whole deal, like, I went there and, like, I didn't really even care about learning yeah, <laughs> about CrossFit. Greg. Yeah, I was like, whatever the first workout is, I'm going after this guy. Yeah. The first workout was – And back in those days, so back in, like, the old school CrossFit days, because when I started teaching seminars, we still had – when I was going through the seminar process, there were still multiple workouts, right? Yeah. But back in those days, you did, how many workouts did it you was do insane. a weekend? Day one was, day one of the level one back then was bottom and bottom Tabata. You did that after you learned about squats. Of course. And then you did Fran before lunch and fight gone bad at the end of the day. Why wouldn't you? That was day one. Of right? course. Yep. <laughs> so, so anyways, and uh, we get to, uh, we get to Fran, right? And for those of you listening who aren't as like, you know, old school diehard CrossFitters, uh, Fran is 21 thrusters, uh, 21 pull-ups, 15, 15, nine, nine. Uh, it's a lot of volume. It's, it's a high intensity workout, bottom to bottom to bottom squats, the 20 seconds on 10 seconds off of air squats, uh, for four minutes, but you rest the bottom. It's really challenging. And then fight on bad is like this high rep multiple cycle workout. It's basically in the day one, they did a lot, a lot of volume. So, okay, keep yeah. going. Yeah. So it's, it's time for Fran and, uh, they were like trying to ease tension. There wasn't tension between me and Greg. If you know, Greg Amundsen, he is probably the nicest person you've ever met in your entire life. Yeah. Uh, right. But they put us, the setup was in a gymnasium with pull-up bars along the one side of the wall that ran the length of the basketball court. They put me at, let's say the North end of the gym and they put Greg at the South end of the gym as far as way as we could be from, uh, from each other. Uh, right to do uh to do Fran, so three two one go, it's Fran. And at the time, like I didn't even know kipping pull ups. Um, but I end up uh beating Greg. I, I want to say my time was like two fifty, which is which. For, by the way, with strict pull ups or without strict pull ups, I mean that's a fast time. Now, did Greg at the time did he know what a kipping pull up was? Yeah, he might have, and definitely like. I would say I didn't know how to kip, but there was body English on these pull-ups, yeah, right? Like, yeah. so uh, they're not, <laughs> you know, they're not definitely yeah. not not strict. Yeah. But and at the time there was only, I mean, Greg. There might at the time there was maybe three or four people in the world that could do Fran under three minutes. Right now it's like I mean, there's it's a hundred thousand yeah. people, right? Yeah. But where this where you know CrossFit was at the time wasn't a uh, very many, but so. I beat uh, Greg Amundsen, and two things I took away from that. One that I still remember is Dan John was at this uh, was at the level one um, at the time, and he was someone that I had followed on the internet. He had a page and a lot of fitness advice. Someone I followed and looked up to, and I remember I don't know if I was on my twenty one thrusters or my fifteen thrusters, but Coach Bergner was standing in front of me. Dan John walks in front of me, and during this time, like I'm cognizant enough that I hear Dan John say to Coach Bergner, is like, that guy's thrusters uh, is, are really good. And I heard Coach Bergner say, that's my guy. And that, like, I still, like, this person that I'd never met that I kind of looked up to on the internet talking to my coach and then my coach saying, that's my guy. Like, I still remember that, mo- that moment. And I was a grown man. I was, like, 28 years old. Yeah, but yeah, but you got, you got That moment you got still giddy. beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, but when I say I beat Greg Amundsen, I beat him by maybe 10 seconds. But remember, this is in Colorado at altitude. Oh, dude. I was wrecked. I missed the rest of the first day. Like, I was like, I was at that point where 
I was like, should I call an ambulance? So have someone call an ambulance. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want an ambulance to come pick me up at this seminar with, you know, there was like 75 people there and see me get called away in an ambulance. And then I'm like, I also don't want to be that jerk that dies because he was too prideful to call the ambulance. Yeah. So I didn't die, uh, but I didn't do Fight Gone Bad later that day. Well, I didn't attend any more <laughs> the rest of the thing. So I do, uh, And I was still wheezing on day two when I woke up uh, from, that, from that workout. So this is a really great moment to, to check in about something. So I think you said, hey, you, know, you got introduced this idea of intensity. You went out really hard because you had this competitive atmosphere. You had a high altitude, oxygens, whatever. And you felt like this kind of, uh, this feeling, right? You couldn't regain your composure, whatever. What type of things do you recommend for people? What type of things did you do to evaluate, hey, am I really at a state where like I need emergency medical attention or do I need a Gatorade? Do I need sugar immediately? Is my blood sugar too low? What type of things is going through your head, especially as a strength conditioning coach, watching thousands and thousands of athletes in the military and in D1 go through that experience right there? Yep. How do you know, how do you know the difference between, okay, this person just, you know, had a really tough workout and needs to recover versus, Hey, this person is, is could potentially be fainting or whatever. We need, we need medical attention. Yeah. So not to, to switch total gears here, but yeah, I think it's a great, to moment. be honest, if I was the coach and that was my athlete, I would have gotten them medical attention. Cause it was beyond for me. I was cognizant. I was able to talk like, in fact, people kept asking me, do you need help? Do you need help? Like, no, I'm fine. I just need to, to catch, to catch my breath. Um, but I probably would have made them see somebody at least say, say like, Hey, does anybody here a paramedic or is there a doctor in the house type yeah. type things? Cause, uh, you know, you're again, I was in my late twenties fitness, my entire life, a college athlete, um, a track athlete, like I'd experienced, you know, times of breathlessness, uh, you know, and, uh, this was at a, another, uh, another, another level. Um, so as from a coach's perspective, one, we know now, and again, this is old, old days CrossFit. We know that given all those factors, like altitude, competitive environment, like the big, day, big, big movers, right. Thruster, yeah. pull, like, yep. Yeah. Uh, inexperienced with the move, like, I don't know if I'd ever done a thruster before, but I was like, oh, front squat, push press. I know, right. I know this, right? So right. new movements, like we know now that that's not how you dose somebody right off the, the bat, right? But then back then it was kind of wild, wild west and we're, we're kind of figuring those, uh, those things out. So, yeah. um, but it's not like, even now, I don't know if I would have stopped someone like me from doing that because you would be like, oh, this guy has competed at the national level in Olympic weightlifting and he's a former college track athlete, like he's good to go. You know, he's right. ready. You would have still let him, yeah, let him ride, but maybe. So, but let's just say it was there, right? And let's just say you do have an athlete come into your gym, right? And you're a coach and identical situation. When you're watching this person out there done with their workout, what type of things are you looking for, right? I mean, what are the, what are the, like, what are the real signs you look at their, uh, you know, their heart rate. Are you, I mean, what, what type of things are you looking for? Is it more like you're communicating with them? And if you feel even the yeah. slightest bit of concern, you're calling, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say slightest bit of concern, but definitely like, how's that interaction? Are they, are they cognizant? Are they able to answer basic, uh, basic questions, getting the feedback on, on how they feel? Cause very rarely are you going to actually, I mean, heart rate monitors are pretty popular, but 
you're not necessarily going to have those on your, or you're not going to have the, the scientific data. You just kind of kind of look at the athlete and see how they are and get their feedback on where they, where they think they are. Yeah. Um, and so, okay. So you, you do this workout and then after that time, you just started creating a relationship with coach Glassman and it just kind of developed from there. Right. Is that what, was that what happened? Yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, Coach Glassman was definitely interested in in me for my, you know, I was a division one head strength and conditioning coach at the time. So I've got a good resume in terms of, um, you know, coaching background and my capacity. Um, so I was for, I think, you know, what, why Coach Glassman wanted me along was like, I, and I had a good attitude, like, you know, similar to, to Greg Amundsen, um, I'm about to call myself humble. Like so I'm the humblest guy I know, right? That's oxymoron. There. Yeah, That's yeah, kind yeah of a right, joke. right. But I think I had a temperament that he liked. I had a uh, education and background in coaching that he liked, and I had a capacity that he liked. So early on, that relationship grew. And I was with Bergner, right? And he loved yeah. Coach Bergner. And um, Coach Bergner at the old level ones would come and have a half a day where he taught Olympic lifting. Um, and the course at yeah. the time was a lot more free flowing, right? It was kind of just like, uh, it, it wasn't as a set and regimented as it, as it is now. So I would go with coach Bergner and coach the Olympic lifting portion of the, the, uh, CrossFit level ones when I, when I could. Um, so that relationship grew. And then the other thing was back then, a lot of it was there weren't the videos online and there weren't competitions and, and all that stuff. And it's one thing to talk about intensity and people think they're being intense. The early days, Glassman wanted people like me and Amundsen to, to show demonstrate intensity because yeah. the biggest thing back then, the feedback that we'd get and we do literally like me and Greg would go head to head or whatever. We'd even do workouts without the participants so they could watch and see that level of intensity. And there were a whole lot of, oh, I thought I was working out hard, but I'm not working out that hard. Like I'm not going at it like those guys. Like, oh, there's another level to this that I can get to or need to get to or push myself to. So that demonstration of intensity. And then the other important piece was, of course, CrossFit was catching on in the military early on and kind of to buy over some of those guys, he needed to bring us and have guys like me and Greg beat those guys at their own game, so to speak, to win them over. Yeah. Right. Cause if you go in there and like, I've got this fitness program and you don't have anybody with better capacity than the people that are doing it. They're like, well, my way is worked better because I'm fitter than anybody you got. So we would go to, especially the military gigs almost for the sole purpose of convincing people that this program was legit. Yeah. And so then that was back in 2006? Uh, earlier than that. So three, four, and five yeah. was, was probably when uh, when we were brought there to demonstrate intensity. And kind of after that, like, people knew. People like, kind of got on to it. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I mean, I started, you know, getting. I got into in 2006. And then after that, you know, so you've been teaching seminars though for weightlifting and CrossFit since like 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yep. And weightlifting, I mean, how Bergner got involved with, uh, with CrossFit was he taught the USAW club coaches course. Yeah. And I would, I started helping with those in probably 98 or 99, 99 with, uh, with coach Bergner and, uh, coach Glassman had heard that this guy, Mike Bergner was the best at running 
the USAW course, and he wanted his coaches to get certified with the best. So he brought his crew from Santa Cruz down to San Diego to learn from Coach Bergner. And then that's how that relationship developed between Bergner and, and Glassman. Got it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've been working the Olympic lifting early. And then in the early days, the level ones was all Coach Glassman, right? And we were – Coach Glassman was giving every lecture. He was li- leading every breakout. And it was kind of like we were floating around, like, helping people out. Yeah. So, I don't know. Definitely when you say – I was working the level one seminars before 2005. Yes, but like a way you're like an assistant B, like helping things set yeah, up. Yeah, and right, like right, right, right. Coach Glassman's like, oh, we learned front squat. Josh, can you go work with Jason over there in the corner and help him out with his front squat? Like, so that was more of the capacity back uh, back then. Wow. Cool, man. And then you start to do, grow and develop, and then you compete in the 2007 CrossFit Games, right? Yep. And you took, took third. Okay, third. Yep. Third in 2007 CrossFit Games, and then 2008, you know, you and I run into each other, right? That was that was great. I remember being in the back, we were warming up in the area, and you know, I got to you and I in the every second counts video is great. If you guys are listening, you haven't seen it, it's a cool it's a cool throwback to, to CrossFit. But I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. You know, you're one of the OGs. You've seen this movement really start to transcend. Like, what's really cool for me is 10 years ago, if you went to a hotel, and I travel a lot. You would never see a kettlebell, right? You go to Big Five or a sporting goods store, you would never see a, a kettlebell. Now it's becoming a regular piece of equipment that you see. And functional application, hit style training is becoming more readily available and it's becoming okay to squat below parallel. It's becoming okay for women and men to lift weights, right? And I think a lot of that has to do with this movement that's been created through CrossFit. So what have you seen over the years with how the, industry has shifted and, and being the strength coach for the military. And then where do you see things going in the future? I'm, I'm really curious of what have you seen to this point and where do you see it going? I'm, or, or, or have we already hit where we're at and now we've seen people, more and more people to be doing this style of training. I mean, what do yeah, you, think? so I would say like CrossFit was definitely to use like a popular term or whatever, like a disruptor in the, the industry. Right. So Prior to CrossFit, this style of training, like Olympic lifting and that, like pr- pretty common in elite athletics, uh, but mainstream, not at, not at all, right? right? So CrossFit gave access to people that previously only had it if they were you know, a Division One college athlete or Olympic or professional just opened up. And I think the easy button is, is this style of training, like utilizing how CrossFit defines functional movements, um, is just more effective, right? Like it's go, you know, do curls and spend 20 minutes on the elliptical and compare that to doing thrusters and pull-ups. And like, you're going to get way better results with the, the functional training, right? So, uh, introducing that to people, it's not even a fair competition. Like you're going to, you're going to crush them. So I think access to, um, trainers that know how to train that access to like video content through the CrossFit journal and what they're putting on the, the website access to education, all of that exploded part of it's the internet. But I think CrossFit was the, the first major, major entity to make that available to the, to the to general masses. public. Like, yeah. And, and it changed the way people viewed training and, and basically gave more people 
access to better training methodology than they had had before. And in terms of like, where do I think this thing is going? Because yet you've seen a major shift to functional style uh, training, right? Like huge, un- unbelievable uh, shift there. But like where it's going, I would say I'm not very good at that because like my, you know, going back to that first CrossFit level one I went to, I was amazed. I was, I was blown away. First of all, like the Coach Glassman's What is Fitness article that he wrote in 2001, 2002, like I read that and I was sold like this is everything I believe about fitness and never would have been able to articulate myself like I'm in, uh, right? So that really revolutionized thing. But like Coach Bergner told me his vision or not Coach Bergner, Coach Glassman told me his vision and how there's going to be CrossFit gyms all over the country and all over the world and like we're blowing this up and literally I sh- shook his hand like this stuff is great and in my mind I was like good luck this is never going to work because people were like I'd worked with college athletes who had been trying to avoid what I was teaching like they didn't like it right they didn't like that intensity and working hard like you're working with college athletes and sometimes it's like pulling teeth to get them to to work hard right you're constantly trying to motivate them and push them so I thought the general public with like, this is great, but it's too hard for the general public. Yeah. And I was wrong, right? I was completely wrong. I thought, I thought the business would fail because there wouldn't be enough people that wanted to do this. I was wrong. Like if you show people a better way, like people want to be efficient with their working out and they want to get results. Right. Right. And I just, I didn't see it. So for me to like have some sort of prediction of the the future, like I'm, I'm definitely not that type of yeah, you're not that good. The, visionary. The visionary. I'm the guy that it was right in front of his face, and I was like, oh, that's not going to work. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so now with your background with being a strength conditioning coach at UCLA, uh, where else? Uh, uh, UC Riverside, Ohio University were oh, the three colleges I worked at. Which are all, they're decent schools, right? No, yeah, they're great, right? Yeah, yeah. And then now with the military, your your expertise is probably – Honestly, there's not probably many people with that depth of exposure to top level athletes. And so, you know, we have, I mean, you're, you're in one of our gyms right now and you know, we, we took a class earlier. So you've seen, I mean, we have thousands and thousands of traditional members that are not D one athletes, not military groups, et cetera. With those groups though, with the demographic that you have and you have had exposure to what type of things do you think, like if you're a coach out there at a traditional gym and if you have, or even when your athletes comes in and they say, Hey, Josh, I could give you three days a week, one hour a day, or perhaps you're a coach out there and you're working with someone. What type of movements do you think about that provide a, a good stimulus and bang for your buck? Cause you're talking about how much more efficient this style of training is, which I couldn't agree with you more, but what would you recommend for someone who comes in one day a week, two days a week or seven days a week? I'm, I'm curious. Does it differ? Or does it not differ? Yeah. So, I mean, it, of course, there's a whole plethora of like doing an assessment on where they are and where they want to go, like what their what their goals are, right? But you're always going to be rooted like, you know, one of the major takeaways, one of the things that I've learned from Coach Bergner over the years is never get bored with the fundamentals. So it's always going to come back to fundamentals of squatting, pulling things from the floor and putting things overhead. Right. And everyone's going to be at various levels of that. Like 
some people might not get past an air squat or a goblet squat, uh, right? They might be, or they might be there for years before they'd have any benefit of you know, loading much, uh, much more than that. But those are going to be the bang for your bucks. And of course, you're going to start with body weight or calisthenics. And once you can control your body weight, uh, then you can add load and intensity, uh, intensity to it. Right. But you're looking at the major total body movements and, uh, you know, mixing those up in a, a way that makes sense. So, you know, variety, but not for, for variety's sake, like planned variance, um, is, is what they'll need. And then, uh, gradually dosing their intensity once they establish, um, you know, mechanics, consistency, and then intensity in their, in their movement patterns. Right. So, you no, know, for me, if I've got two days a week with, uh, with somebody, um, I'm going to have, and do you a, think an hour is the right timeline for that? Like, or do you think it's 30 minutes? I mean, how much time do you think is too much time? How much time do you think is required? I mean, I, I'm yeah. So it depends on what your, what your goals are. Some, so something is always better than nothing. Of course. So when you're moving to a general population and again, you're talking to somebody that's never worked with the general population, right? Like my experiences, elite level athletes, and then teaching seminars where I'm teaching other coaches 90% of the time. So, uh, it's take this for what it's worth. I'm an, I'm an expert on my opinion, not necessarily an, an expert in, in this, but, um, whatever time that you have, but I think an hour is good. I think most people can and should dedicate an hour, three times a week, like finding that to your fitness. And, and here's why. So you need to, you want to be successful in life. You need to pour into the things that have a positive impact all over the place. Right? So when I'm fitter, that hour a day that I commit to getting in and working out, it makes the other 23 hours better and more efficient. When I work out, I'm going to make better food choices. I'm going to sleep better. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better employee, a better husband, wife, whatever that is. It affects the other 23 hours. So I want to pour into that. I need to make time for that because it makes me better everywhere else, right? So, and you don't need to be a genius or rocket scientist to get some of those benefits or an elite athlete. Like it's just moving on the, on the basics would be a great start for that. So one, like understanding that like, okay, this is going to make me better and more efficient in other areas that I want to be good at. Right. So right. that's where I need to, that's where I need to spend some, some time and I need to make that time. But if you've only got two days a week, like my, how I'd program for that is I'm going to get a foundational piece of strength and I actually think that's probably the most important because there's some metabolic conditioning that goes through, hey, if I did five sets of 10 squats, right. I'm getting some cardiovascular training with yeah. that as, as well. And, and Definitely stamina. Like bone density. like For sure. Like you name it. I, again, I'm a little biased here, but I think strength training. And for strength training, that might mean body weight calisthenics for some people, right? Um, but I think that would be my number one. And then I would get a conditioning piece in there is as well. So in my hour, I'm going to get some sort of strength piece and then some sort of conditioning piece. If I've only got two days a week, those are going to be my, your go-to. Yeah. Now, do you think that the strength piece is underrated or, um, do you think the strength piece, and I'm going to stereotype a little bit for, specifically for females, 
do you think, and for males too, but both, but do you think that people are afraid of the strength training when actually in reality, it's potentially the most critical component that you can incorporate? Yeah, I think they're scared of it. I think they're scared of getting hurt, right? And then you've mm. got, you know, some of the body image stuff with the females, like, I don't want to get bulky, like, so yeah. it, there's an education thing there as well that you have to be able to, to provide. Sometimes you're not going to get through that, you know, they're, they're going to be resistant to that and that's fine. Like, okay, do something right. Like if, if they, if they won't push on the strength, like then yeah, the circuit style is better than nothing. Yeah. And then right? over time, hopefully you get them to incorporate some more strength. But I think, I think the reality is we're seeing a shift in the industry and I think that people are becoming more okay with lifting weights. Yeah. And that's a yep. good thing. I, oh, it's a great thing. I mean, cause all of your, I mean, you work with, you work with the tip of the spear and you require them to lift weights. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know that I require them, but or like you encourage, I encourage, uh, I encourage them and it's definitely part of what we teach them is a, a very important part of, uh, maintaining the fitness they need to do their job. So kind of last to kind of wrap up some of this out of all your years, you've visited hundreds and hundreds of gyms, coached a lot of classes, done a lot of seminars. What do you think are three key things throughout the duration of a class or as a coach that you think about before either coaching a seminar, coaching a class, uh, having that one-on-one -on -one connection either way, right? What are a couple of things that go through your head when you're about to do a private session or a class, et cetera? What, what are you thinking about? Yeah. So number one is what does the athlete need? What does the athlete need from me uh, during this session. And of course, you know, it's cliche, but like, you know, they have to know that you care. So there has to be some amount of, I care about you and what you're doing. And sometimes that's just being like a really good coach, right? So, oh, coach is on my butt about how I'm warming up. Right. Well, that shows that you care, that you care and like you matter to me. Otherwise, like I would go on Instagram or do whatever during the warm up, right? Like, right. But I'm paying attention to you and what you're doing the, uh, the entire time. So showing that you care, however you demonstrate that, like, um, maybe that's asking about their family or, or whatever, or maybe it is being very diligent on, on how you, uh, how you coach. That's, I think that's the most important aspect for you to get buy-in from your, uh, your athlete. I think number two, having a plan. And again, that goes through, what is the purpose of today's session? What's the outcome that I want to get? And then it's just like any other goal. Here's the goal for the outcome. So I guess setting a goal for the session and then, you know, what are the steps that I could do to get me closer to that, to being successful on that, on that outcome. So I think having a plan and being highly organized is another key component. And then maybe the third one that goes along with that is, okay, now being flexible, like mm. now, okay, the plan was to do this, but man, their warm up didn't look very good or like, we were going to progress to something and, you know, they've got an injury or like, man, I was planning on spending 10 minutes on technique, but they're not getting it. So now maybe I need an extra five minutes or maybe that goes to 20 minutes on the technique, which means I need to change the workout because we're not going to have time to get everything in. So the flexibility there to flow and kind of be able to be able to change on the fly with what the athlete or the group needs at the, at the given time. And, yeah. you know, if, especially if you're working in college athletics, sometimes you've got this plan, right? But the team comes in and they just been run ragged at practice. Right. And like, 
Okay, yeah. well. Or if you're at a regular gym and this. someone comes in, they're hungover, right? Yeah. Whatever. So, so being flexible. So the plan is crucial, but you've got to be you've got to be flexible on, uh, on that plan as, yeah. as well. I like the way you start that by, you know, caring and you work a lot one-on-one with a ton of different people. And I think that you, you deal with people who, I don't want to say they have an ego. That's not fair, but they, they come in with a certain kind of background that allows them to have some confidence, right? Yeah. Because they've done a lot of stuff in sports or whatever, but if they know you care, they're going to listen to you. If they don't think you care, they're probably just going to shut you off. And so that's a really great point. Absolutely. You've got to care. And then you've also got to have something that they need, right? Like, like you've got to know And this, I, I struggle with this. So I was a division three college athlete. And then my first job was at a division one university mm. working with football players who were more athletic than me, bigger, stronger. And my, I'm a shy guy anyways. So in my mind, I'm like, well, why would these guys listen to me because they're a better football player than me and they're stronger than me and they're more athletic than me? What do I have to give them? And it clicked how this is going to go is like, I have more knowledge than them about this squat or, you know, about cleaning or whatever. Like I've got something that they need to make themselves better. And that kind of, I guess, gave me the confidence or was the angle to, to be able to work with that athlete or that client is I have this to, I have this to offer them. Yeah. That's, that's really great feedback. So I think at times, whatever business you're in, um, it's challenging because sometimes let's just take, for example, you're a coach and you know, you have a really elite athlete in terms of they could do all kinds of stuff. They could do it fast. But I think we need to remind ourselves sometimes it's tough because you're like, Oh man, I don't know what to say to this person. I don't have the confidence. But if you've been educating yourself and you've been learning just because you might not be able to outperform them or outlift them, you might have, if you, if you explore the knowledge base, you don't have to necessarily lift more weight than them to be able to help them lift more weight. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so that's a really great feedback, especially for all the people you've worked with. I imagine that's a, that's a critical component. And I'd say, and then this might be getting more elite athlete specific, but I don't think so. And maybe Jason, you'll be able to tell me cause you work with a regular person in the, in the gym, but also, so think about what derails people in their fitness journey or elite athletes. Like an elite athlete, a lot of times isn't brought down by what they can or can't do on the field and the sport, right? It's something else that's going on in like their personal life, right? Mm. Like think about all the athletes. Think about Antonio Brown. Is he not in the NFL right now because he's not fast enough or strong enough or not a good enough wide receiver? No, it's because like there's all these other factors. Yeah. He's got all these other things. So again, the assessment, you know, we talk about assessments and physically like What's our weakness? Is it endurance? Is it strength? And we need to spend extra time there, but go beyond that and see where is my, what's, what's distracting my athlete from full attention in the gym. And I mean, you kind of come, you know, armchair psychologist there, right? right. what do they need from me? And it, 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 maybe it's not like how to squat better. Maybe it's like, just listening, hey, like, yeah. Oh, you didn't sleep last night. Why didn't you sleep last night? Cause this and this and this will, well, think about organizing your day like this so you can get to bed. So it might be that because I'd say most of the people listening to this podcast in their fitness base like have gotten to where they at where they're at because they've been able to organize their lives. Like they've got their stuff together, right? You take the same principles of like planning that you use in your fitness life, and if you overlap that to your finances or your personal life, those are hugely beneficial, right? And I think. 
if you're a strength and conditioning coach or a fitness professional, your whole life has been doing something today that's uncomfortable for a benefit that may or may not actually happen somewhere down the road, right? Like I'm doing this workout today because I want to have performance on game day or I want to lose weight. Do you lose weight like that session or do you get stronger that session? No, like your discipline today to give you a better shot for success in the, in the future. Like, so you as a fitness professional or a strength and conditioning coach, that whole concept, if you can help your athletes or your clients apply that to all areas of their life, man, you're beyond strength coach, you're life coach, right? Yeah, yeah. And getting that outside of the gym life organized is going to allow them to train better and not make mistakes that derail their fitness journey or their sports journey, if that makes sense. And maybe that's a little too deep no, or getting off track. No, no, no. That, I mean, I think for your background with your audience, I think that's really valuable because you create this one-on-one relationship. In a group class, I mean, it's a little bit different. You have to kind of work with it. But I think ultimately it comes back to what you said. You care. If you care, you start talking to them. If you talk to them, you start understanding, hey, what are their needs? What, and then how can I help you? Right. And what it might be is you might hear, Hey, I have this problem with X. Well, you might need to delegate that out to a therapist or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, obviously, but I think at the end of the day, you know, you have a wealth of knowledge. You've seen a lot, you've done a lot, and we really appreciate you being out here. So Josh is out here talking to our staff. So every quarter we have an all hands meeting at NC fit and we film it and then we distribute that content to all of our coaches globally, plus all of our collective gyms who utilize our programmings. So we really appreciate you coming out. I can't wait to have you go over the burden or warm up, discuss different things. And um, where can people find you? Where can people, you know, learn more about Josh and, and what you have going on? Yeah, uh, I don't have a lot out there uh, <laughs> out there personally. Uh, so you know, I work for the the military, and that's my day job. And I kind of <laughs> do some of the the CrossFit stuff uh, uh, for fun, but. Um, Bergner Strength, so BergnerStrength.com. Uh, I work for uh, Coach Bergner and teach his weightlifting level one course. Uh, so check uh, those out. Yeah, check those out. It's great if you want to learn about uh, Olympic lifting. There's a level one and a, a level two, and uh, those are those are an excellent resource uh, for education in weightlifting. Love it. Well, Josh, thanks for your time. Looking forward to get the team fired up, and uh, hope everybody has a great day. Thanks for having me.